Those of you uh, paying attention, the, the, the Bears did not win the playoff game. But the good news for Bears fans is as long as the Packers are in it, we always have a team to root for. It's always fun. It's like, it's like your, you know, your little brother who happens to beat you at something and, you know, you, you want him to lose, but he's still your little brother, so you feel like you have a connection, you know? So it's like that. Um, it's great to be here with you. Welcome back. So excited for small groups here tonight and uh, grateful to be back in the swing of things on Sunday nights here. And we are going to be looking at Mark 6. So uh, I hope you will take advantage of our opportunity as we are going through Mark to just, as you find time to read the Bible uh, throughout the week, that you will just read the next passage. So, and you can read, you can read, you know, you, you could probably read Mark 6 uh, or Mark 7 for next week every day and still find things to, you know, it would take you maybe, you know, three or four minutes to read it and there would be new things that you would find. And it's kind of like reading the book before you go see the movie, right? You read the book and then you go see what they do with it. So you read the passage and then you find out next week what's Eric Engstrom going to do with Mark 7. Is he going to, you know, get it right or is he going to screw it up? And you can tell him afterwards. You can be like, Eric, you totally screwed that up. It, he, he would love to hear that. So uh, please don't do that to me tonight um, because I, 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 have, um, I have feelings. So... Uh, I'm kidding. You can also tell me that I screwed things up. So we're in Mark 6. Mark 6 is very long. We're not going to read the whole thing, but I've got four points tonight, and I'm, I'm going to cover a, a little bit of Mark 6 and focus on a couple of the things in the story. And I've got two points uh, that have to do with our relationship with God and two points that have to do with our relationship with others. So what happens in, uh, in the beginning of Mark 6 is that Jesus is with his apostles, his disciples. And you can, you can turn there if you would like to on your phones or if you brought a Bible, you can. Um, it, it, this is a really interesting part of the story where Jesus, I'm not going to put this part on the screen, but he goes to his hometown and his disciples are with him and he teaches there and the people that should know and love him and support him the most are the most skeptical about him because they knew him. They knew him when he was, when he was a kid and they were, they're like, well, what's going on? Jesus? You're talking about that, the carpenter's kid? Like he's the one that's doing miracles and stuff? And the Bible says that there was no faith. Jesus didn't, couldn't do miracles there because of the lack of faith. So I'm not going to, again, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, um, but he, he was, <laughs> it's, it's sort of sad. Like, can you imagine being, uh, having Jesus be amazed at your lack of faith? That is not uh, the thing that you want. You don't want the Son of God to be amazed at how little faith you have. So, but that's, that's, that's what he says about the place. So, uh, we're going to look at uh, the next part here where it says that Jesus went around teaching from village to village. And that starts in verse something or other. Um, here it is. Verse 6. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. Calling the twelve to him, he began to send them out 
two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. So we're going to just stop there. And that, that's our first point. The first point is that there are no lone rangers in the Christian life. So and what do I mean by that? Well, he called the 12 to him and then he sends them out two by two. Now, if he wanted to be the most strategic and effective in ministry, he would have sent them out one by one. If he really wanted to reach the most people, he would have said, I've got 12 people. I'm going to send them to 12 places so that 12 different places get ministry, get, get, you know, get healing and, and demons cast out and, and sick people healed and all that sort of stuff. He didn't do that. He wasn't primarily interested in being the most efficient and, and uh, the most productive. He sent them to six places because it was so important that they have someone to go with them. He sent them out two by two. It is not an accident. Uh, it is incredibly important that we understand uh, that my first point, there's no Lone Rangers in the Christian life. What is a Lone Ranger? Well, there was a TV show a long time ago, and I don't think this is where this phrase came from, but uh, called the Lone Rangers, a masked man, and he was this guy who would just go out and fight, you know, injustice. I don't know why he's called the Lone Ranger, because he actually had a sidekick named Tonto, uh, but he was called the Lone Ranger, and so this, this phrase, Lone Ranger, refers to uh, people who go at it alone. And the Christian life this passage would suggest, is not for us to go out of the loan. And you, you might have met people, I've met people who have said things like, I mean, I remember this guy who was just like, he just wanted to go do ministry. He wanted to just go out there and he's like, I just want to go and just, just find where, where God is calling me to go and then just go there. Just, just be there and just help people. And uh, this guy honestly was kind of a narcissist. Like that's, that was what I was kind of... But, he was way more excited about the stuff that he was going to do because then he could tell everybody, look at, look at all that I've done. Um, and he didn't want someone because he didn't want someone telling him not to go. And he didn't want someone trying to control him. He just wanted to, you know, be the guy to, to save the day. But that's not how the Christian faith works. The Christian faith is intended for us to be lived in community Two by two, three by three, four by four. We need each other in the Christian life because if we are alone, we can get weird. We can, we can get sad. We can get lonely. We can have our, our you know, faith in God kind of get wonky. We need other people to help us stay on the track, stay on focus. Um, and that has certainly been true in my life. And I am you know, blessed to have had a friend, starting when I was in seventh grade, I had you know, a bunch of different friends, but in seventh grade, I had this one friend, and we kind of became best friends quickly. I changed schools. He was there. I've talked about this in different stories uh, in different times. And to this day, so that was like 1985. That was a long time ago. And he is now also a pastor in Houston, Texas. And to this day, we keep in touch probably, you know, once a month. We check in. How's it going? How can I pray for you? If there's something that he's struggling with, he still tells me, hey, I need you to keep me accountable for this thing. We are accountability buddies. You might have heard this phrase before. Even, you know, in, in, in my 40s and having been a Christian forever, I need people in my life. You need people in your life. And if you come to Shig and you don't open up in small group and you're not really friends with anybody, 
Um, we can't make you do that, but if, if you want to go deeper with people, but you're just kind of afraid to do so, you have to take a step of faith. You have to take a risk and, and step out and say, hey, I want to be in community. I want people to hold me accountable. I want a friend to, to help me push me forward in my faith. And I've had those friends over the years. There's absolutely nothing like them. We are not intended to go at it alone as we follow Jesus. As iron sharpens iron, the Bible says, so one person sharpens another. We need this, you know, another person to come after us and to, you know, to, to help sharpen us and keep us, keep us sharp. So that's the first thing. Jesus sends out people uh, two by two, and that is exactly what we are to, uh, to emulate in our life as well. So as you go to small groups, maybe that's one thing you can talk about. Do you have that person in your life? Do you wish you had? Is there some way you can, you can, you can, you know, get that if you don't? That's point number one. Point number two, we're going to skip down. So Jesus sends out the 12 and he, he gives them these instructions, which I'm not going to cover, but they're really interesting instructions, including uh, dusting off your feet as a testimony against people who don't, uh, don't listen to you. They preached, they drove out demons, anointed sick people and healed them. And then there's this whole like middle story in Mark 6 about how John the Baptist dies and it's really bloody and gory and sad. Uh, we're going to skip that and keep moving, not because it's bloody and gory and sad, just because I want to get to the end of this. So uh, we're going to start again in verse 20. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. So they've just gone out and all this stuff is happening. It's really exciting. And they're like, Jesus, you know, we did all these things. And uh, they're, they're reporting to him. And then Jesus is gaining a following. It says, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Which brings me to point number two. A healthy life involves being alone and getting rest. So they've done all this ministry. They've done, Jesus has equipped them. He's empowered them. He's sent them out to do ministry. All these great things are happening. And they come back and they're like reporting, but, and, 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 you know, they don't know this, but what they need in that moment is to be alone and to get rest. And if we aren't building in times in our life when we are alone and when we have rest, we will get burned out. We will not, life will not function the way it is intended to function. We need to, 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 to build in times of being alone and getting rest. You know, more than anything, you, you have to imagine that these people uh, we're so excited to just do more. They're like, oh, that was so fun, Jesus. When can we, we, let's do it right now. And Jesus is like, yeah, that is fun. Way to go, guys. Let's go get some rest. Let's be, let's be alone. Let's be quiet. Let's be still. Some of you, are, this is really easy. And the pandemic has been like the greatest for you because you're like, I get to be alone. I don't have to talk to people. This is great. For people like me who like to be around people, it's been torture. I need people for energy to be energized. And so, for people like me, it's hard for me to slow down. It's hard for me to be still. It's hard for me to be alone. So um, no matter whether you're an extrovert or an introvert, uh, we have to find that balance. And some of us, you know, and just, you can just think about your, your own life. In our physical lives, think about it this way, in order for us to be healthy, we have to be um, taking in food, nourishment for our body. If we don't take in enough food, we will die. And we have to be active. 
It's not healthy if all we do is sit around. If all we do is sit around, we'll end up becoming like those guys in Wally who are on their little carts and they just have their slurpees and they just like move around, right? So, uh, but if we, if we don't get enough nourishment, then we get frail and weak and we die. So the extremes are someone who never eats and they're frail and they're weak and, and, and they die, or someone who never does anything active on the other extreme and they're just those, you know, those people who are on the little carts in, in the movie Wally. And if you haven't seen Wally, uh, Luke, watch the end of Wally, okay? Watch the end of Wally. Do yourself a favor, watch the end of Wally. All right. And uh, so somewhere in the middle is this balance between making sure you're getting enough nourishment and making sure you're active enough. In the same way, in the Christian life, we need that balance of making sure we are being fed, nourished spiritually through prayer, through fellowship, through teaching, through meditation, through stillness, and being outwardly focused, helping people, serving, uh, sharing your faith with people. Going on a mission trip is a great example of that. So we need that balance. And some of us, you know, love to be alone and we need a little, you know, encouragement. Hey, you need to get out. You need to, you need to be more active in, in you know, in, in ministering to other people. And you can do that here. A lot of you serve in, in, in middle school ministry or children's ministry. That's a great way to serve. Um, and some of you only want to do, 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 do all the time. And you forget that you're a human being before you're a human doing. And you need to have balance. So, especially when we have been exerting ourselves and giving, giving, giving of ourselves, we need to remember that a healthy life involves being alone and getting rest. So that's, again, another question that you can ask yourself about your own life. Um, How am I doing in terms of my community? And how am I doing in terms of making sure I am getting enough alone time with God to, to, to be fed enough to be effective as a, as a follower of Jesus. Those are the first two points. And the next two points have to do, those have to kind of mostly to do with our, how's our relationship with God? The next two have to do with uh, in dealing with other people. Um, so what happens? They try to get away. They went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. So they go get in a boat. They like take a boat to some place thinking they're going to get away, but word has gotten out that they're going, and by the time they get there, people have run on foot to meet Jesus because he is so in demand right now. Everybody wants a piece of Jesus, and so they go, and this huge crowd, we're going we're to find out soon about this crowd. Many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot. I want to make sure I'm reading the same passage that you are seeing on there. Um, Many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. That brings me to my third point, which is this. More than anything else, wayward people need Jesus' teaching. I'm going to read the next verse too. To make, help make more sense. So, right, they show up. All these people are there. And um, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Jesus recognized these people. They don't, they're not his followers. They don't, they're not following him currently. And he lands. There's a crowd of them. We're going to find out later that there were 5,000 Men, just men. The Greek word is only for the men, which means we don't even know how many women and children were there. But there were 5,000 men. So there's likely 10 or more thousand people there that have gathered. And 
even though at that moment he wanted to take his, his uh, disciples on a quiet retreat, he couldn't because he was, he was filled with compassion. And he looks out of this crowd and he sees they're so hungry for him. You, we, could, we would call them seekers to get today. Spiritual seekers. They're like, Jesus, we want to know what it is that you, you, you have to teach us. And he says, he, he, has this, he has compassion for them. There's something in his, you know, inside of him that says, I can't, I can't, I can't leave them. This is my opportunity because they're, they're, they're like sheep without a shepherd, it says. And he knows that he's the good shepherd. And so what does he do? He, begin, he begins to teach them. And likewise, in our lives, if you know anyone who needs Jesus, what they need more than anything else is they need his teaching. They need to know what it is that Jesus says about life that transforms everything. And uh, that is the, that's the word of God. That's the Bible. That is uh, the Old Testament teachings, which Jesus would have taught from, and his own teachings from the New Testament. Sometimes we can think that our friends need good advice. Uh, they need, you know, some self-esteem. And, and maybe they do. And that's, it's helpful. People need to know that they're loved. They need to be, all that stuff is very important. But more than anything else, they need to hear the teaching of Jesus. This week, I have a friend who attends uh, a, a church that that believes in Jesus, but also basically they believe in, 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 they don't think that Jesus is any, any better necessarily than the teachings of Buddha or the teachings of Gandhi or the teachings of, you know, whoever it is. They, they, they believe in that, that all faiths have equal validity. And um, so their teaching would suggest that, you know, the, the people who teach at that church would, would, would never say that, you know, specifically that what Jesus says is more important than anyone else. And this friend of mine said, hey, would you ever want to come and teach? Because they don't have a full-time minister. And, and this person said, you know, would you ever like to come and teach? You know, we can pay you some money. And, uh, and, and I thought about it. And I was like, well, you know, I, I, I'd be fun. I don't, you know, I like to, to, to teach. But the person said, yeah, you'd probably need to like, you know, teach on something that wasn't super Jesus-y. And I thought about it. And I'm actually still thinking about it. But my first instinct is, I don't know that I can do that. Like, because what I believe deep in my soul more than anything else is that we need Jesus. Like, it's not, I can come to their church and I can say, be a better person or love yourself or God is is good and loves you. But what I really know that they need is that Jesus is the Messiah. And Jesus is the most incredible person who's ever lived. And a relationship with him is the thing that will truly transform your life. And I, I, was, I was like, I don't, I don't even, I don't know if I could, could stand up there and uh, pretend for half an hour that something else was more important than that. Just to kind of like not offend anybody. I, I just, I don't think I could pull it off because it would just kind of ooze out of me that the only thing that matters in life is putting Jesus at the center. Like everything else will just kind of lead you to, you know, maybe feeling better one day, but really lousy the next day. The only thing that matters is what Jesus says and what Jesus teaches. And when he sees this large crowd, he just says, I have to teach them. So when we look around at the world, what we need to remember more than anything else is that 
they need Jesus' teaching. And, and so when we have opportunity to share with people about our faith, take that opportunity, you know? Don't be pushy about it. This isn't a talk about that. But remember, that's what they need more than anything else. So what happens next is a story that, that uh, many of you have probably heard, and it brings me to my last point. But uh, so there's this crowd there, and what happens after a while? Well, everybody's hungry, um, and uh, there's this huge crowd. And of course, you, I can sort of imagine the disciples being like, man, what, Jesus has really got himself in, in a bind here. Like, he's got this large crowd here, and, uh, you know, the, it, it, it's Sunday, so Chick-fil-A is closed. So how are we going to feed them, right? Uh, and so here, what happens is, uh, it says it's late in the day. His disciples came to him. This is a remote place. It's already very late. And his disciples, I just, I love that they're like, they're kind of like, I feel like there's almost a little bit like they're kind of like, they, 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 they're the disciples. They don't want the other people kind of cramping on getting to hang out with the famous Jesus guy. So they go, you know, can, can you send the people away? You were going to take us on a retreat. And this is really lame here because I kind of want to hang out with you, Jesus. Send the people away so they can, can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. And they're like, Oh, here he, here he goes. Like Jesus, he's so smart sometimes, and then he's just, he's not street smart. You know, they're, 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 you can sort, sort of have, their, they're thinking like, he doesn't really get it. You know, Jesus sometimes, woohoo, he's a little bit up here in the clouds. Like, Jesus, hello, we uh, left our jobs to come here. We don't have money. You don't have any money. How are we going to do this? Um, he says that would take more than a half a year's wages. Are we going to spend that much on bread and get them to eat? Be practical, Jesus. And Jesus says, how many loaves do you have? He asked, go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. This is interesting. It says in the book of John that they, basically they took a little kid's lunch. Like, it doesn't say they stole it, but in John it says, here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, which, meaning that they stole a, a lunch from a child, which is really sad. But anyway, um, so they've got five loaves and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass, and again, they're just like, Jesus, what are you doing? Why are you organizing? What, what is happening here? We can't possibly feed them. Okay, fine. Sit them down on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. And you're, again, you're thinking, what is, what is the end game here, Jesus? Yes, okay. Oh, yeah, oh, so we're going to pray. Okay, uh-huh, we're going to pray. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. My final point is this. Jesus will ask you to do things you don't think are possible. Jesus will ask you to do things that you don't think are possible. Those disciples were like, Jesus, you are crazy. We cannot feed them. We don't have the money. We don't have the food. We don't have the time. What is, what is wrong with you? But he said, no, actually, you're going to feed them. And then he used their own hands to do the miracle, right? Like he could have done it himself. He could have just like had bread fall from the sky, which happened in the Old Testament. That, that, is, that's, that would have been just something that he's, you know, God has already done before. Instead, he says, you, you get what you have. You gather the, the food that you have, steal the you know, little kid's lunch, that's cool, and then bring it to me. We're going to give thanks to God for what he's given us, and then you're going to see him do 
a miracle. And it's something that they never thought they could do. They never thought they could do. And they were reluctant to do it. And they were trying to correct Jesus and be like, you don't see this correctly. And we sometimes will do that in our relationship with God and our relationship with the world around us. Um, we sometimes go, I can't do that. Jesus, you're asking me to do something and I cannot do it. We don't think we can do it. And we have to trust him that we can. Because sometimes it, it feels too hard, is what it feels like. It feels impossible. It feels impossible. How could I possibly say no to that temptation that you're, that you're putting in front of me? How could, I, how could I possibly say no to that? I'm not strong enough for that. Um, if you're at a party and you're like, I can't say no to this temptation. And Jesus says, yeah, you, you, you can. You, you, I, if you trust me, you can. Someone at school, you know, asks you to cheat for them. And you're like, oh, if I say no, they're going to think I'm, you know, a jerk and I'm mean. And I know I shouldn't, but I don't know how. And Jesus says, if you trust me, yeah, you can, you can do that thing. Someone asks you to send them pictures of yourself. And you know you don't want to, but you don't want to offend them. And, man, this is weird. And oh, I don't think I can. Jesus says, yeah, you can. You can. You can say no. You can stand up for yourself. You can stand up for what's right. These things that you feel like are impossible, if you stop and say, God, I don't, like in the same way that these disciples were like, I don't think I can do that. I don't think I can. Jesus says, will you trust me? And watch me do a miracle in your midst. If we trust him, when he asks us to do things that we don't think could possibly happen, we will see a miracle. It is an opportunity for us to see a miracle happening in our lives if we will trust him with that. And as we send you to small groups, I hope that you will apply this to your life. Figure out what are the things in your life, uh, the, four, the four points, your, your leaders hopefully jotted those down um, and, and you know, figure out which of the four points that kind of most resonates with you and talk about that. So whether that's about you, you know, kind of your relationship with, with your friends um, and, and needing a, a friend to keep you accountable or um, whether it's about um, making sure you have enough time for yourself and being alone, whether that's about caring, knowing that Jesus' words and his teaching are the most important thing we can share with others or whether that's about being able to trust God to uh, say no to something that, or, or, or to say yes to something that we think we possibly couldn't say yes to. That God can and will do miracles if we trust him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the fact that you are a God of miracles. That you are a God who knows us perfectly and who cares for us and will, will guide us and lead us in ways that we didn't necessarily plan for. But if we trust you, we'll see how amazing and good and faithful you can be. We pray in your name. Amen. Head to your small groups. Come back to the lobby at uh, somewhere between 7.45 and 8. I will have fruit snacks for you.